effort to do the right thing by my landlord, I called her to tell her that I found a new place and that I would be moving out 30 days from now when it was ready. Instead of being understanding, she was completely unreasonable. She told me that I had until the end of that day to pack up and move out of the house. Devastated doesn't begin to describe where I was. So I called Tina and told her what was going on, and she made the trip, the hour trip down to help me pack up. I reached me moving into wasn't to help me move. The only problem was the house that I was going to be moving into wasn't ready. I didn't have anywhere to put my stuff. The other, the other youth pastor um, and the senior pastor let me store all of my belongings in their garages until my place became available. I was homeless. Literally at the end of the night, I had nowhere to go. I had cousins that we weren't incredibly close to that reached out to me, had heard what was going on, and offered for me to come move in with them. And so for a good bit, I slept in the spare bedroom. The next day, I was dropping off some of the stuff that we'd left in my truck, and I was dropping it off over um, there. And their senior pastor, Chris, um, he asked me, how are you doing? Reality is, I'm not sure why he asked me that. Um, but for whatever reason, I couldn't lie to him, even though I wanted to. You know, when someone asks you how you're doing, regardless of how you're doing, you, you want to respond, I'm fine. But that day, I couldn't. He was working that day on, on the business that he ran on the side. Matter of fact, I went at a time that I knew he wasn't going to be there so that I didn't have to deal with questions. To this day, I still don't know why he asked me how I was doing. I, I don't know why I answered with, I'm not doing good, and I don't know what to do. But I did. He listened. Then he encouraged me. He prayed for me. And then he walked away. Like literally said amen and left. At that time, I had no idea the importance of that moment of kindness for me. What was simple to him was extraordinary for me. Moments of kindness are like that. They're simple for the person being kind, but they are life-changing for the person receiving kindness. As we've studied the fruit of the Spirit, we've seen this over and over, that God's Spirit transforms us, and the result is that we are filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. The, the, these are the evidences, or as Paul calls them, they are the fruit of the Spirit of a life committed to God. Eleven years ago, Pastor, Pastor Chris spoke to me. It wasn't because he was a nice guy. God used Pastor Chris to encourage me with kindness that day. I experienced the fruit of the Spirit and God's work in him that day. Paul talked a lot about kindness. For him, it was a vital element of the Christian's life. While we need the Holy Spirit to help us, we still have some responsibility on our own. Paul said in Ephesians 4, he said, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Be kind. It's an imperative. Do this 
have this. Then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it said, Therefore, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and what? Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. God said to clothe ourselves in kindness, meaning that we have to take an active part in being kind. We have to put it on. Peter confirmed this by saying, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, what? Brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. See, the Bible's view of kindness is very different from our culture. Our world seems to reward and expect harshness and cruelty more than it does kindness. Kindness has become so rare that it's, it gave rise to a movement called Acts of Kindness. In 1982, Anne Herbert introduced the idea of a non-planned, inconsistent acts of kindness where the person being kind had no benefit. She called random acts of kindness. The, the random occurrence of kind acts are celebrated and encouraged. Now, I don't want to take away from the good things done as random acts of kindness. However, it's sad that kindness has become so rare and so inconsistent with normal life that its randomness is celebrated. Kindness for followers of Jesus shouldn't be random. It should be normal, everyday, all the time approach to life. Working on this message, I, I tried to think of a different way to talk about acts of kindness rather than just random. The first word that came to mind was strategic. And rather than random kindness, we should have strategic acts of kindness. But as I studied it and thought about it, it just didn't sound right. It, strategic kindness was, was close, but it sounded fake and it, it was close, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. Because when I think of kindness, I think of my, my nephew, Adam. Um, back uh, a while ago, he was 15, and, and one of our bridge events, it's an event that we do to reach out into the community. Um, one of the students that we were reaching out to had a pair of old ratty shoes that he was wearing. You guys know the kind of shoes that I'm talking about. You probably had some in your life where, where when you run, it sticks to you because the soles pulled up and his toes were hanging out. Adam felt God speak to him that day and said, get in your shoes. And I don't know how many 15-year-olds you've met, but they like their shoes. They take care of them. This is a brand new pair of shoes that he had. And when Adam found out, that he and this kid wore the exact same size shoes. He knew that it was God telling him to do it. So he traded this brand new shoe for an old ratty pair. It wasn't a predetermined strategy. Adam saw the need. He saw that he had a way to meet the need. Life, he, and so he did it. At some point in Adam's life, he chose to be kind. So on some level... There is planning and a decision to live a life of kindness. See, that's another reason that I, I don't like random acts of kindness. Random sounds like, like kindness just happens when you feel like it. The reality is fruit 
isn't random. It doesn't accidentally or spontaneously grow on trees. Right? It's a natural and deliberative process. And kindness, in the same way as fruit, doesn't just randomly happen. The reality is I don't want my kindness to be an every now and then again thing. If strategic kindness didn't work, maybe a better way to say it is normal kindness. But you know what? That didn't feel right either. There's nothing ordinary about a life of kindness. Kindness driven by compassion isn't normal or ordinary. It's extraordinary. During the last egg hunt that we hosted here at our, at our church, I got to watch an, an extraordinary act of kindness take place. During the egg hunt, over a thousand people were here um, that, that came for free family time. And we've got a chance to build the bridge of relationships so that we can share Jesus' love with them in the future. Last year, I don't remember if you remember the weeks leading up to Easter, but it rained a lot. Matter of fact, I remember talking with our leadership team going, man, what do we do if it rains on the day of the egg hunt? And their response was, it's not rained on the day of our egg hunt. We just need to pray it doesn't rain. And about the middle of the week, it began to dry up. The only problem was, and I'm sure you've noticed this even in your lawns now, it's still damp. You still walk out there and you still feel it swish be, be beneath your feet. But during the egg hunt, there was lots of families that came, but there was one family in particular. You could tell by the clothes that they were wearing that they didn't have much. They had a two-year-old child, I, I'm not really sure how the child was. It was walking around back behind the church barefooted. To see my wife, you know, leave the event to go find some socks and shoes for a complete stranger. So that they didn't have to walk around barefooted. You see, Tina got the point of the egg hunt. See, it's not about Easter eggs, bounce houses, or pony rides, or, or hot dogs. It's about building a bridge to the, so that the gospel can be shared. It's loving people through kindness. You see, there's nothing random or ordinary in that kind of kindness. She had socks and shoes. They didn't. And so she gave. So rather than random, strategic, normal, or ordinary kindness, I finally arrived at something that I like. You probably can come up with something better than I did, but for me, I believe that followers of Jesus should have what I'm calling continual kindness. It isn't random or exceptional. Continual kindness is the purposeful, relentless, compassionate way followers of Jesus treat others. Com continual kindness is expressed in the way that you talk to people. It's how you treat people. Continual kindness isn't kindness when it's convenient or when other people are watching. It's a lifestyle created by the Holy Spirit and then carefully developed through purposeful interactions 
especially with vulnerable people. If you're like me, you want to be a kind person. So how do you develop continual kindness? How do you get better at it? Over the next two minutes, I'm going to help you with this. If this is a weak area in your life, then you'll learn some ways that you can get involved in kindness ministries here at MFA. Inside your bulletin, there is a ministry Nats card. I want you to go ahead and, and grab it for me out of your bulletin and take a look at it. I'm going to talk about some of these and there are several others that are on here. You can, you can use the contact information on the card to learn more information about any of these ministries. You can also drop this card off as, as you leave today's service on the, on the sign-in table. Become continually kind. Continually kind people see hurting people others miss. They see hurting people that others miss. I wonder how many times we miss kindness opportunities because of the busyness of life. We are so focused on other things that we don't see the hurting people around us. Years ago, when Pastor Chris reached out, he could have just kept going on about his day. But he saw me. When you see people, you have to do something. You have to make space for them in your life. It means using your own experiences to help people in need. Loving those that no one else will love. Can I tell you, that's my prayer for this church, that we'll become a church that loves those that no one else will love on. But you know what that means? That means that church is going to get messy. It may mean that there are people that come in that don't look like us, don't, don't dress like us, don't smell like us. But if we truly believe that every soul matters of God, then we'll take the time to see the people in our life. Here in North Texas, there is a push for foster care. There are a ton of kids in the foster care system that are waiting for men and women to, to sign up and say, you know what, I want to have kids who don't have parents. Or, or, or kids who have parents, but parents can't do a good job of raising them. And for whatever reason, they either realize their incapability or, or, or whatever. But, but there are a ton of people waiting for godly men and women to love them and open up their home to them. James one twenty seven says, Pure religion, undefiled, is caring for widows and orphans in their time of need. Maybe for you, God is calling you to open up your house and become a foster home, to become foster parents to some young kids or to some teenagers. Maybe you can't foster for whatever reason, but you can help our, our foster families in this community and by, by providing meals or even providing respite care. Tina and I have done it. It's where you can help out a, a foster by, by watching their children for a longer period of time, right? So that, that parents can go do stuff 
if any of you guys have young kids, you know sometimes you just need somebody to come over and sit with your kids so you can go eat dinner, go grab a Dr. Pepper, whatever it may be, and just have an adult conversation without mommy, 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 daddy, 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 mommy. And you're going, yes, I love you. friends that don't have any family in town and becoming that for them. You show continual kindness when you are people who frustrate you. Now, Paul links kindness with patience in 2 Corinthians 6.6. Kindness is expressed when you are gentle and patient with people who drive you crazy. felt the air sucked out of this place when I said that. Who frustrates you? Who gets on your nerves? Is it a person at work? Is it the person that's sitting next to you? Don't point at them. Everybody starts giggling and elbowing. Is it a family member? Be kind the person, being kind to the person who treats you great is easy, right? If someone treats you great, it's easy to be kind to them. It's the difficult person that reveals your kindness. You know God is working on you when you can be kind to that annoying person in your life. Being kind to the nice person is easy. Choosing to be kind doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. There will be difficult times and difficult people. Laura works in our, our, our kids' ministry, the Grove, which is our nursery. And they've got kids in there from birth to four years old. It's a fantastic place where people are loved and the gospel is shared. That team is filled with skilled and compassionate and kind workers. They, they teach about Jesus, and they, they teach them how to worship. It isn't always easy. Right? They love children even when they make messes when they're potty training. They love. They love children even if the child decides to start yelling explicatives at the top of their lungs in the midst of the nursery. They share Jesus when they throw temper tantrums. And some kids, for whatever reason, need extra grace and love. And maybe that's why God's placed them here. A friend told me some, some kids, no matter what you do, act out differently. God challenged her to be, to be kind even to the children that frustrated her. She was to love them regardless of how they responded. And you know what? You can join that team. Yeah, there's dirty diapers and there's crying. But there's also times of joy and an opportunity to imprint the love of Jesus on a young child's life. You can be a difference maker in our nursery or in the kids' ministry. 
these volunteers are the first gospel that these children will know. So the pastor says, listen, I don't know if I can do it. Don't worry, we'll train you, okay? After you've filled out the background check, we'll show you what to do. But you see, it's more than just that. Being patient with people that trust you is an essential part of kindness. Listen, if there is someone that frustrates you at work, buy them coffee this week. Buy them lunch. Write an encouraging note to someone who annoys you. Go out of your way to demonstrate kindness to the, pu- to the person that pushes your buttons. A life of continual kindness means that you'll forgive people that have annoyed you. When someone offends or hurts you, you have to forgive them even when they haven't earned it and they don't deserve it. Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.15, he said, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be what? Kind to each other and to everyone else. Kindness is displayed when you release someone from the offenses they did to you. Instead of getting revenge, give kindness. When they do wrong, you do right. And doing this will actually help you. When you are kind, it benefits everyone, including you. This isn't just biblical. Studies show that it is physiological as well. Jones' study on kindness and its effects led her to this conclusion, and I want to read you her words this morning. She said, we all know that when we commit an act of kindness or receive one, we feel good. There's an increase in oxytocin, serotonin, and dopamine, as well as a decrease in cortisol. Now listen, I don't have a clue what any of those things mean, but stick with me. What most people don't know is that the person who witnesses an act of kindness has the same physiological response in their body with the same increases and decreases in those chemicals. Oxytocin, serotonin, and dopamine are feel-good chemicals that aid in lowering blood pressure, improving overall heart health, and help us feel calmer and less depressed. Cortisol is the stress hormone that has been found to, to decrease in the bloodstream when people regularly participate in acts of kindness. You want to lower your blood pressure and improve your heart health? Start being kind to people, right? Quit being mean. You should join a ministry team. It could save your life. Continual kindness is revealed when you remember people that others have forgotten. There are several people in our church that are either homebound or in extended care facilities. Even though they can't attend, they are still a a part of our church family. Our, our, Our visitation team, they call, they visit, and they write cards to them. Listen, if you can write a card or a note or make a call, you can be on this ministry team. These acts of kindness say, we won't forget you. We love you. We value you. When you came into the building this morning, you were most likely 
you were most likely greeted by one of our smiling, friendly faces. Our, our greeter team is one of the first ways that we show kindness. They smile, they give out bulletins, and they open the door for people. And you may be saying, I don't know if, if I can do that, Pastor Jason. Is there some kind of special training or ways that you can show me what to do? Well, guess what? You're in luck. Because we actually have already scheduled our very first How to Be Nice to People at Church greeter training. And guess what? You can be a part of that. Here's the best news. It starts right now. Okay? So what I'd like everyone in the room to do is stand up. Everybody stand up for me. Because your training begins now. Okay? Everybody's got to stand. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to repeat after me the most essential and important word. You've got to start right because if you get this one thing wrong, then the whole thing is going to be a disaster, okay? And so we're going to practice. Here it is. It's just one word. The first and most important word is this, hello. Now, I want you to repeat it after me. You ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Man, that was really aggressive, okay? If you do that to somebody when they walk in the church, you're like, hello! Man, they're probably going to get back, like, they're going to run out the door, get back in their vehicle, and go home. So let's try it this time. Let's soften our tone a little bit, and, and let's try to say, sound a little bit more friendly. You ready? On, on the count of three. One, two, three. Hello. One, two, three. Hello. One, two, three. Hello. Now, that was pretty good. I got to say, you guys actually picked up on that a little bit quicker than what I thought you would. But I, I want to step backwards. I want to do something. Um, the, and I realize that this may be really difficult for some of you in here. And what I'm about to ask you to do is going to stretch you a lot. Are you ready for it? I'm going to need you to smile. Can you do that? Everybody, we're, we're going we're gonna to put them together. And so we're going to go one, two, three. We're going to smile. And then one, two, three, say hello. You, guys think y'all can do it? This is two steps, right? We got the beginner. Now we're going to move on to the intermediate level. Here we go. One, two, three. Smile. One. Y'all messed that one up. Let's try it again. One, two, three. We're going to smile. One, two, three. Hello. Do it again. One, two, three. One, two, three. Hello. One, two, three. One, two, three. Hello. All right. Now that was pretty good. Now listen, what we're going to do now is we're going to do what is like the advanced portion of this. And, and so some of you guys may struggle with this, but I, I, we're going to try it, okay? When you do that and, and you've smiled, you've said hello, then you're going to do something. You ready for it? You're going to stick your hand out like this, right in front of you, okay? Just like that. Now, don't go up like this because you're going to poke them in the, in the eye, okay? But right here. So here's what we're going to do is we are going to put it all together. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go one, two, three. You're going to smile, say hello, and stick out your hand. You ready for it? One, two, three. Hello. 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 All right. Now, I think you guys have got it down pretty good. But what I want to do is I want you to practice. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to find three people that are not in your row. Repeat back to me, not in your row. And I want you to go smile, 
say hello and shake their hand. Go. Awesome. Hey, you can make your way back to your seats. Hello. Now, congratulations. You just completed the first ever official church greeter training, right? How to be nice to people at MFA. Now, what we need you to do is we need you to check that little box next to greeter. Good job. Now, Continual kindness means that you help people who can do nothing for you. Continual kindness means that you can help people who can do nothing for you. I believe that this is at the center of kindness. It's when you show dignity and respect to someone who can do nothing for you. You help someone who can't pay you back. Hebrews 13.2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. I've watched several people and families reach out to people that they knew were new here at MFA. And they sat with them so that people didn't have to sit by themselves at tables. In our community, there are people that would come to church if they had a ride. We have a church van that's not being utilized that we could fill with people and bring them to church. But in order to do that, we need van drivers. Can you drive and, and pick up people maybe once or, or twice a month? Can you help get people to church who can't come to church? Almost every Sunday when you walk into church, you're going to see Leo Miller at the front door. He serves as one of our greeters. Now, Mr. Leo is not exactly what you would call a spring chicken, right? And many days, he can be found with his cane walking around the church. But every Sunday, he is at that front door opening up when people come to church. He's the first face that they see. Now, Pastor Jason, I don't know if I've got the time or the ability to get involved. I want to remind you of the simplest, easy ways that kindness is demonstrated. Pastor Chris simply stops and encourages me. Mr. Leo simply opens the door. The visitation team lights a clock. Kindness is not measured in the difficulty and the task, but in the significance to the person who needs help. Continual kindness is seen in simple acts on the behalf of others. Listen, I understand not everybody can open up their, their home to a foster care home, but almost everybody can open the door for somebody. 
Not everyone can drive a van, but everyone needs a word of encouragement. It's simple for the person being blind, but it's life-changing for the person receiving help. I could keep talking all about the ways that you feel blind. One of the simplest ways that you can show kindness every week is through a new ministry here at MFM. Today I want to share with you an overwhelming need. One which I believe that we can't avoid. A few months ago I was watching the news and saw a story about child hunger in Texas. It broke my heart. The statistics are alarming. It shouldn't have come to a surprise to me. I should have known. But somehow I didn't realize how desperate the need was in our own state. Texas is one of the hungriest states in America. Last year, 21.2% of households were at risk for need. One in five school children in Texas don't have an adequate meal when they go home at night. 28.9% of Texas food assistance recipients are children. 4,277,540 people in Texas are food secure. 1,676,740 of those are children that are food insecure, meaning that consistent access to adequate food is limited by either a lack of money or other resources. In Limestone County, 28% of children are food insecure, which is a little bit over 1,500 children in Limestone County alone. 80% of students in Limestone County qualify for free or reduced lunch. For many of them, the only full meal that they receive is the one they receive at school. 14.7% of Texans lived in poverty in 2017. More than 1.5, or I'm sorry, more than one in five Texas children are living in poverty total of more than 1.5 million children. In rural Texas, many families are desperately poor with children who daily face hunger. This huge need is what's driving us to start what we're calling Share Your Light. It's a principle from the story of when Jesus fed over 5,000 There wasn't a restaurant that he could go to. There was one little boy who brought his lunch to Jesus and shared it. I'm asking you to actively participate in sharing your lunch every week. I know what some of you are saying. Pastor, there's already... There's already programs and organizations and other churches that are doing this in our community. And here's my response to that. Even with all those other organizations, even with all those other churches, even with all the other food pantries, 
there are still approximately 1,500 children in our community that don't have enough food. So starting this month, you're going to notice two things. First, at the main entrance, you're going to see these large yellow trash cans. When you go to the grocery store, buy a little bit extra. Share your lunch. And when you come to church, drop it off in the corner. And it would be awesome if everyone in the church brought something every week. Each week for the next nine weeks, you're going to be asked to bring a different food item to the church. We're going to be kicking off Share Your Lunch next week by bringing mac and cheese. And you know what? If you want to be a part of the team that sorts and, and, and bags all the food, you can simply check Share Your Lunch on that Ministry Connect card. Second thing that you're going to see new is a table in the lobby with bags of food on it, and a sign letting people know that if they need food, they can take a bag of groceries. I am fully aware that there are people in our own church family who are food insecure. Many of them don't ask or, or share their needs, either out of embarrassment or because they don't, feel, they don't want anyone to feel obligated. We want to help them. We want to help their family whenever they have a need. Why? Because we've all been there. So if you need food, take some food. If God blesses you, then give some. Now, now listen, I know the argument, Pastor Jason, what about the takers? What about the people who don't need food that, that just take it anyways? What are we going to do about them? Are you going to confront them? No, I'm not. As I, I was thinking about it, I felt impressed. Evaluate the takers, then you also have to evaluate the givers. Let me explain it to you. If you see someone bag of food and say they don't need that they've got enough i can't believe they are taking then what you're doing is you're evaluating their need and so if you're going to do that then you have to also evaluate the givers we're going to criticize the people who take food then we have to look at paul or becky and say wait a minute I saw you only brought three cans of food today. You have more than enough. You should be giving more than that. Or we should evaluate tax returns and say to the person who has wonderfully blessed, here's how much food you should give. You simply aren't doing your part. See what I mean? You can't just uh, evaluate one side of the equation or you're guilty of being judgmental and lacking mercy. So we aren't going to evaluate who gets food. And we aren't going to confront you about not giving enough. Instead, we're just simply going to act like a family, God's family. And those who have enough are going to share some. And those who have more than enough are going to share more. And those who have less than enough are going to take some. And those who have none are going to take more.
instead of evaluating the need, we're going to love people and allow God to deal with the seeds. Is that okay with you? Can we just take the pressure off of it and just love people? If you need food, take some. If you have unexpected bills and don't have enough money to buy groceries for the week, we'll share. When your kids are hungry, take some groceries. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let's do that together. And if you've got a friend who needs food, take them a sack of groceries. We'll reach out together and we'll love people and we'll share our lunch. I want to ask our ushers to come back. Over the next nine weeks, we're going to be stocking our shelves with food items to give away to families at the end of our services. I don't, however, think that we should wait nine weeks to start giving out bags of food. So for $25, we can provide a bag of food which will have some essential items in it to help people eat for a week. $5 will buy approximately three things in the bag. $25 will purchase one bag of food and help feed one family. $50 will feed two families. $100 will help feed four families. $250 would provide for 10 families. And $500 would, would help provide food for 20 families. I believe that God wants to use this church to help end hunger here in Kingsley, Texas. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we pray for children in our community. God, I pray that you would meet their needs and that you would do so through our church. God, would you bring compassion to their lives? God, help us help them. Lord, as we give, I pray that somehow through the food that we provide, God, somehow through the money we give today, God, that their health would improve. God, that their ability to learn about you would improve. That you would help us build a bridge of relationship with Jesus to them. Today, we share what you've given to us. It's not ours, God, it's yours. You trusted us with it so that we could give it to them. I pray, Lord, that you would use this offering to fill the lives of so many kids, first with food and then with love. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that we've got such a time share with you. Before we leave, I want to remind you of one important component of kindness. It's very likely today that as I was talking about kindness, you were convicted. When you look at your life, maybe you don't see much kindness. And all of those ministry opportunities sound good and all, but maybe you're not sure that you can do any of them. 
Maybe you're not sure that there's a good fit. I believe that part of the reason you struggle with kindness is that there's something broken in your relationship with God. We show kindness to others because God showed kindness to us. Some of you might say, well, Pastor Jason, after all I've done, would God still show me kindness? Listen to Ephesians 2, 6, and 7. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming age, by the way, that's now, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to Jesus. You can be kind because Jesus was kind to you. His death on the cross was the best act of kindness that you could ever experience. He did for you what you could not do for yourself and what you did not deserve. He saw you. He was patient with you. He forgave you. He remembered you and helped you. And he wants to do it right now. His grace and his kindness is for you. Would you bow your head with me as I pray one more time? Say, Jason, I've done a lot of stuff. I hear what you say about grace. I've heard it before, but man, I just don't know. But I desperately want to restore my relationship with Jesus. And I want to, I would like for God's kindness to be on display in my own life. I know you're not where you need to be. Maybe, quite frankly, you struggle with kindness. And maybe people would call you a jerk. The reality is that you need Jesus to transform your life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right there? Today you'd say, I need Jesus' help to show kindness in my life. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to look at it, look at you and go, man, I knew that about them. But today you'd say, I need help being kinder. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I see your hand in the back there. Anybody else? I see it right here, young lady. Anyone else? God, thank you for being so kind to me. God, I didn't deserve anything, yet you found a way to come into my life. And you did for me what I don't deserve at all. So right now, God, I ask that you would do that for my friends that just raised their hand. God, I pray right now, God, if it's a broken relationship, God, that you would restore that relationship. God, that you would allow your kindness to flow out of their lives. God, that you would help those that have resting jerk face, God, to smile more. 
God, that you would help those who, who come across as curt and short. God, that they would come across as kind and loving. God, at the end of the day, each and every one of us could stand a little dose of kindness. So God, I pray that over our church. God, I pray that our church would become known as a church that is kind. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name.